0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Marketing Matters. This is episode seven, believe it or not. And um, as always, it's been a little while since uh, we last spoke to you, but quite a lot has happened in the last time that we spoke to you that we want to have, have a conversation about some reflections on. So, as always, um, I'm Ben Capper, um, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and colleague, Rich Forshaw Smith, who is down in Devon. Is it sunny, Devon, today? It's pretty sunny it's up here nice in Liverpool.
1: Yeah? yeah, beautiful day
0: yeah no it's pretty nice down there, so we're going to talk a bit about kind of what we've learned in the past sort of twelve months because I don't know if anybody has noticed, but there's been quite a big thing going on which has completely turned society upside down and um has turned business upside down has turned marketing and communications upside down so we're going to talk a bit about kind of what we've learned about that and what that kind of says about the future um both from a kind of a private sector marketing and their public sector comms and marketing kind of angle as well so um rich first of all how are you how is your family is everybody healthy down there
1: we are we're all good thank you very much um it's been a, a, an interesting year um the big health thing um, yeah. has been um quite disruptive, but at the same time, it's also, I think we talked a bit last time about how, um, how the pandemic's driven quite a lot of interesting behavior in in terms of digital marketing um, and and generally going digital for a business. Um, uh, So lots of businesses who previously weren't really kind of interested, have been forced into making some changes. So that's been interesting. Um, generally, otherwise, yeah, we're we're all uh, all happy, healthy, and well, and um, keeping our heads down, and um, you
0: know, trying to um, trying to
1: look to the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yeah, and hopefully, as of we're recording this at the end of February. Um, I'm not going to say the precise date, so it so people I don't give away how long it's taken me to edit and put <laughs> this out, <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, we're recording kind of at the end of February 2020. the The narrative is very much that there is light at the end of the tunnel now. The vaccine rollout is going objectively pretty well. Um, you know, reserve judgment for another podcast on how the rest of it has gone up to this point. But let's that's maybe a conversation for another day. But there is inherently there is seems to be a bit of hope on the horizon. Um, yeah. You know. Whether we'll all be in the pub again at the end of June, eh, I'm not sure, but maybe we will be. But either way, the, the people are starting to think a little bit about that this might not be how we're going to live forever anymore. And that's a nice change. And people are starting to feel a little bit more hopeful. And I certainly get the sense sort of talking to some of my clients who are more public sectory than private sector that they are starting to think about looking to the future, thinking about the new normal and what that really means and learning from the pandemic and all of that palaver. But um, man, how I think... Man, I was just going to say on that, in
1: terms of private sector sort of perspective on things, um, as you know, we do quite a bit of work in tourism, hospitality, have got hotels and restaurants, things like that. Um, Bookings in hotels are going absolutely through the roof at the moment. You know, uh, everyone knows it's going to be a year of the staycation again. Um, I think some people are thinking, well, I'm going to just chance a, a trip abroad. But, you know, I think the vast majority of people are thinking we're going late this trip. We're going Cornwall. We're going Devon. We're going Dorset. We're going, you know, Norfolk, whatever it might be. Um, and I'm seeing clients who are just kind of getting inundated at the moment with, um, with, with, um, with bookings. Um, and those who had kind of chanced their arm beforehand into like, oh, let's book something in April or May. They're now just saying, well, let's bump us into June when we can visit and all that sort of stuff. So I think, I think the population's got this kind of real vibe around it at the moment. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of contributing factors like, yeah, you know, like you say, the vaccine rollout's going well. Um, uh, the lock, lockdown announcements have given people a bit of hope. The weather's better. I think there's lots of things that kind of point towards people thinking, you know what, I'm feeling a bit more optimistic and, you know, sort of in themselves. And I think um, that's kind of coming through quite a bit. Um,
0: yeah, I think that's probably right. I think, you know, I, I speak myself as a parent of a young child who has we've been attempting homeschooling since the beginning of January. And it's, you know, I think – I speak for a lot of parents of young children that are of an, a certain age that you can't put them in front of a laptop all day and come and get them for tea time yeah. where that you are required to sort of actually teach them stuff and actually be with them the whole period of a normal school day and still work that there's a lot of people that are starting to look at that and go, Oh right, okay. There'll be a chance to at least kind of breathe, Uh, (laughs) and that 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 with itself brings brings a degree of kind of optimism. I mean, it's optimism compared to the the depths of despair that we have been in. (laughs) So it's relative optimism, but it is but it is optimism, and that and that and that's one thing. We'll we'll come on to sort of at the end of the podcast about sort of what we think is happening right now and what we think the next sort of six to nine months kind of looks like. It's interesting. So we're talking about booking holidays. I must admit I have already started looking at looking at that a little bit myself, but more in hope than expectation, but who knows. Let's talk a bit about since we last met then, Rich. What's what's been what have you learned mostly about how people are doing marketing and what's been the what's been the main thing you've kind of been asked for from your clients?
1: Interesting question. I mean, um we've both been involved in behaviour change communications and marketing programmes, right, over the over our careers. Um, and it's interesting how issues like a global pandemic can massively drive behavior. Um, you know, the environment in which people are, are living and working um, steers people down a particular route. They, they had no choice other than to start focusing on digital. Um, whether that's how they run the business, doing Zoom. You know, sessions and everyone working from home, all that sort of stuff. You know, that's been massive change for people. And there's been an interesting debate this morning. I've been seeing about people going back to quote normal, um, as in going back to offices, and whether that's the thing that they want to do or not. Goldman Sachs saying that they're definitely going back to kind of working from the normal office environment, Um, and a big debate um, is bringing up around that. So, um, yeah, obviously the circumstances forced digital into people's minds, but in terms of digital marketing, that also had to double down. You know, people had no other options. You know, it was the only game in town. Um, we've so far this year, and that's because we're, you know, we're not quite at the end of the financial year, but we've seen a 16% increase in, in turnover um, purely because we've got people who were furloughed, who have decided to run the, you know, set up new businesses Um I'll do that side hustle that I've always been thinking about um, we've got businesses that traditionally had other forms of marketing uh, more sort of analog you know um uh, you know uh, um, word of mouth type stuff um and they've suddenly had to realize that they need to start getting onto Facebook, they need to start getting onto Instagram, they need to start using Twitter, they need to start kind of, you know, building a website, all that sort of stuff. Um, so it, it's, been, it's been massively um, dynamic in terms of websites, in terms of people who've got websites but need better SEO, um, and in terms of social media marketing where they've realized that they need to get a presence out there that they've never really had to worry about before.
0: H- has it been, I guess, sort of in the sort of the more commercial place space for you, h- have you found that has it been a lot of people almost just really, I'm not going to say panicking, but there's an element of, oh, God, we just need to get as much marketing out there as we can because we're really struggling. We've just got to get customers by any means necessary. Or are you finding, or, you know, and are you finding potentially that, our organisations, our businesses, thinking about well, okay, now this is a good time to think a bit about the future. Now is the time to redo our website. Now is the time to do to to think a bit more long term, uh, or, or yeah. is it a bit of a
1: Good question. Yeah, a bit, a bit of both. And if they're in a panicky position, thinking, "God, we've got to get something quickly sorted," um, it's on our heads to kind of reassure them, calm them down, and think long term. Um, so where we've got people kind of going we just need to do a big splash campaign on Facebook to get some businesses, some, some customers in, and um, we can then kind of go through a bit more of a process with them to say, okay, well, that, we can do that, but why don't we also look at um, some longer-term relationship building with those customers so they're not just kind of a quick flash in the pan. Um, I did a whole piece of work last summer around um, we we, we called it from um from lockdown likes to long term loves just because i like the alliteration but it was about how um for particularly for some local businesses that everyone was seeing a big uptick in enthusiasm for buying local you know it was a bit like the supermarkets were kind of too busy too crowded um too many queues Plus everyone was a bit more like, you know what, I think I'm going to support my local business, my local corner shop, my local takeaway, wherever it might be, because, you know, it's the right thing to do. And we don't want to see them go out of business, etc. And I was saying to people, you know, doing presentations at Chamber of Trade and, uh, and other kind of um, online networking things about how it, that's going to be a very temporary thing. Um, there's going to be a lot of kind of enthusiasm for that. And then very quickly... The marketing of the big companies will suddenly launch back into it, and we saw that we've we've seen that. So local takeaways c- could do really well until Just Eat and other um, takeaway platforms managed to get in there and say, actually, you know what, McDonald's are now on the and Nando's are now on the, you know, and these big chains can suddenly start muscling back into the territory. So the the view was, don't just focus on getting some quick wins and some people through the door. How can you Get those people to also become long-term fans of your business, um, mainly through getting them onto things like email marketing. Um, so, so you're owning that relationship a little bit more.
0: That's really interesting, and I like a bit of alliteration. So that's really grade A alliteration right there. That's that's really that's really good. I think certainly what I find in kind of my, more my sort of. Uh, line of work which is comms very much in the public sector it's been almost entirely health related stuff i've been working on this funny past year yeah. uh, <laughs> funny that absolutely but and absolutely some of that has been direct messaging around covid19 a lot of that has been around um there was one local authority client i had um sort of earlier on in the pandemic that was just very much just a case of um reinforcing government messaging reinforcing um messaging around isolate isolating reinforcing messaging around helping the community and you know keeping your distance and all all the stuff that we've seen a lot of and giving it a kind of a local flavour which um i think worked quite well in that particular locality i was talking about um, but i think what i found really interesting is that whilst there has been quite a bit of comms i've helped clients with on stuff like that, the direct impact of COVID-19. It's been a, a lot of work I've been doing is on some of the knock-on effects in the health system that I've been working on. So one of my clients is, in, is a cancer alliance. And um, for those of you who don't quite understand what that entails, um, around, you know, and, and if you'll just bear with me for 30 seconds while I try and explain the labyrinth of the NHS and the health system in <laughs> in England and Wales at least, Around England and Wales, there are what is known as Sustainability Transformation Programme, or STP areas, and they group a load of kind of um, particular areas, usually sort of local authority areas, together, and leaders in health and social care come together to try and th- figure out how to do health and social care better for the entire population of those areas in the future. Now, attached to each of those areas is what is known as a Cancer Alliance, and in those areas um again it's usually a range of trusts that come together to try and and, and to be held accountable for the um performance of cancer um cancer performance across all you know a, a range of different hospital trusts and different sort of primary care settings so in some areas that can be about 10 in some areas like some of the some of the stp areas in london for example that can be 30 40 different hospital trusts we're talking about um but i've been working with one of those one of those organizations and and because of the obviously covid19 being a huge national emergency um there's been are quite a lot of command and control comms coming from, you know, the Department of Health and NHS England and those kind of areas that has been, that on a local level has been being sort of either interpreted or sort of um, translated into local flavors or using local voices to talk about. Um, but what's been really, really interesting in that is that within cancer care, Obviously, cancer has nothing to do with COVID-19 as a health condition, but COVID-19, because of the impact it's had on the bigger system has impacted massively on cancer, but it's also impacted massively on other services, such as, I I guess, mental health, on elective surgery, such as orthopedics and all this kind of stuff. But in the area of cancer, I think what people have found is that early on in the pandemic, when just everything was canceled that was non-urgent, um, you know, there ended up being a really enormous backlog of people who needed important diagnostic appointments like endoscopies and this kind of stuff. Um, and it was trying to get people back into the system that had gone that had fallen out of the system but there was also this aspect of you know reinforcing health messaging around signs and symptoms of cancer that we've heard a lot a lot about right so the um you know if you notice a cough that has hasn't gone away in the past 3 weeks um, it could be signs of lung cancer so, so make sure you go to your gp yeah I um,
1: some new tv adverts all with that that.
0: exactly so last last week actually yeah. there was um so week probably the third or second or third week of february if you're listening to this some point in the future uh, there was a new there was, there was a new ad with, about lung cancer for example which again is interesting because lung cancer has been really problematic because the sign because obviously, one of the key signs problematic signs that could be lung cancer is a cough that doesn't go away. Well, can you think of another health concern that there's a cough that doesn't go away that it could be so that's been really difficult for people to to, to, to get across as well but it's all stuff like make sure you go for your health, your breast screenings, make sure you do your bowel screenings, and if you get called for an endoscopy, make sure you turn up to it so there's all of that kind of messaging that's been going on for years, and the NHS has been doing for the last decade or so but we've been obviously the the, the challenge now is that people are scared to go to hospital because they think because they're seeing stuff on the news about how overwhelmed the nhs is they're seeing stuff about infections and it, it, it it sort of feels counterintuitive that one of the safest places you can go in the community is a place where there's thousands of coronavirus patients but funnily funnily enough it probably is one of the safest places you can possibly go because of the infection control and all that kind of stuff so that's been really interesting because it's been very much around reinforcing health messages that have been out there for ages that aren't necessarily directly related to COVID-19 but the impact COVID nineteen has had on the system makes them necessary, and makes them necessary to be communicated in a slightly different way with gonna, additional yeah. messaging.
1: I was going to say, so apart from the messaging that needs to change, have clients ch- had to change the the method? Or um, you know, what are
0: they? What, how how have they had to flex uh, to to get those messages out there? Right. So that's a great question. And it's very, very similar to what you've been describing around digital. Yeah. Um, there is no more posters being printed in the, the NHS, NHS right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, when you talk about the, um, I'm sure there probably is on a printer somewhere in one hospital trust for for, some, for something. The logo that's like. been stretched a bit. Yeah, the logo has been stretched a bit and it's in Comic Sans and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Uh, I'm sure that has happened somewhere. So I, don't, I wouldn't like to give such an unqualified sweeping statement. But I mean, literally, I have had projects where a client wanted posters and a, and you did that. Are you sure? Okay, fine, I'll do your posters. And the posters have just been in a box for the past 10 months because nobody's in the waiting areas anymore. And uh, oh, there's an infection control thing with them, right? Because it's pieces of paper that people have to literally hold on to and put somewhere. Yes. And, you know, so everything has gone digital exactly as, big, as, yeah. as, as you've, as you've been describing. But I think what's been interesting about that is as part of that method, um, I've definitely seen um, because of the fact that, you know, let's think of a, what a typical public sector digital asset would look like Probably going to involve somebody talking to camera possibly going to involve an interview or with somebody saying you know hey come into hospital it's perfectly safe blah yeah. blah blah now that's been able to happen to some extent but a lot of that has happened on zoom or it's happened with the screen recording of microsoft teams or anything like that so inherently the quality is not exactly you know oscar winning so I think what I found really interesting is currently there's quite a big toleration <laughs> for that in the system. People are pretty happy to sign off a video that the quality of which they would never dream of signing off a year ago yeah. Yeah. because it's a pretty crappy internet connection. It's a bit glitchy. Obviously, it's not super HD because it's being recorded on an NHS toshiba laptop or whatever it is and so you obviously don't get amazing quality on that so what i'm finding there is that there's definitely been a trade-off of the absolute pinnacle quality that people in my line of work as freelancers and agencies will will be happy to deliver versus what is tolerated and also more than just tolerated actually what is desirable right now because people want to be seen to be behaving right people want to be seen yeah. to be not spending a lot of money on comms, but they also want to be seen to be not, they also want to be showing the right behaviors around social distancing and all if that it, kind of stuff. exactly that. If you look at some corporate TV
1: advertising uh, over the last sort of 12 months, there's been quite a lot of essentially faked Zoom calls as an advert because they know that that's, it looks normal. It makes people feel real. But it, yeah, the main thing is it, it, it's like, we're one of you, it, you, you know, it, there's not this kind of isolated experience if people, you know, God, uh, six months ago, if people were putting out a really slick corporate video of, you know, of people, even being in proximity with one another, let alone hugging and things like that, you know, it just would have gone down like a, you know, a cup of cold sick, you know, you, you had to reflect what society was like for everybody else. And I think there's there's something about yeah people will tolerate it but there's also like you say this, people actually kind of want to see that so that they know that it's not one rule for you and one rule for, you know for, for someone else you know the reaction to Dominic Cummings driving to Barnard Castle showed you you know how everybody wanted to know that they we were genuinely all in it together and that reflected whether it was public sector you know communications or whether it was um, sort of private sector marketing.
0: Absolutely. And I think the, the the interesting question is if we are, if people's optimism is justified, <laughs> if we could put it like that right now, and we do move into uh, slightly happier times over the next sort of six months, how much longer will that slightly rickety quality be tolerated or or indeed be be kind of celebrated in the way that it kind of has been? I think it's been really, really interesting in that, in that sense that we've seen a, a, a golden era of kind of like slightly punky DIY cons, and as you say to the extent that some big corporates on their, their tele adverts have started to try and do as you say kind of fake fake zoom and teams calls recordings when in fact it probably has been filled with quite a, quite a good quite yeah. a good budget behind it. And stuff. I, I,
1: I think I think the, the, the tolerance question is really interesting I think we're going to start seeing that tolerance drop very soon um, you know we, well, I'm not sure when this is going out, but certainly early March, we're going to see all kids going back to school. Around about that point, I think a lot of people are going to start going back to their offices. Around about that point, we're going—you know—we've—we—we we, we know we've got the stages of sort of being unlocked. I think um, spring's going to be coming, summer's going to be coming. You know, people, there's going to be a general air of optimism. Um, people are going to be kind of relieved that things are quotes over. Um, to to what extent they are or not, I don't know. But um, I think there's going to be a real desire for aspirational stuff, for a bit more like, okay, it might not be what you can do right now, but it certainly is going to be like, here's what it it will be like again, if that makes sense. So um, I I, I think, you know, some of the research that we've been doing uh, with consumers is definitely indicating that people, people want to see what what's possible um as opposed to w- what's reality um i think that bit they've moved on now from that
0: that's really that is really interesting i think as i say some of my health related comms stuff which hasn't been getting stuff to patients has been a bit about what's pop- possible in the future as well there's been quite a bit of long-term strategy stuff and there's been quite a bit of thinking about what the next five years looks like in you know a post-covid you know or yeah in a, in a post-covid kind kind of world i think the the really interesting thing about the quality of output and stuff and the quality of kind of campaign materials is encapsulated <laughs> i was just thinking about this when you were talking actually is encapsulated in the qr code because i liked to think and i really hoped the qr code was dead about five what years okay? ago because i was never been if i i don't know if we when we worked together when we did work together back probably 2009, 10, 11-ish, you had clients who just demanded QR codes on everything, even when they served literally no purpose and they just looked terrible. The QR code has had like a strange back. revival, hasn't it? Because it actually kind of works now and it's got yeah. an actual purpose. Like I've gone into just a, a lot of places where I've scanned my NHS app on a QR yeah. code and it's kind of worked. Uh, and people love QR codes again now. What I think the the real marker about how tolerant are people of doing slightly rubbish quality comms because that they work is how much longer do we see QR codes again? Um, because they were a very str- they were a very un- you know surprising kind of uh, thing to see again. But but, yeah. but, they, but they they're there because they actually are serving a purpose and so are working. And uh, right.
1: that's the part I was just about mm. to point. You know, if they
0: are serving a purpose. The
1: result that people understood what it was for and why they were using it and why they wanted to use their phone and scan it and all that sort of stuff. So my point on QR codes has always been they're okay if they're serving a purpose that's um, that's relevant to the user in the experience that they're in, if that makes sense. So I remember seeing them uh, on big billboards on the underground, sort of on the opposite side of the – so you have the platforms there, the train tracks there, and you got the curves kind of – You know, it was like – big QR code that you could probably scan if you really were trying but it's like you know purely to get a website that you couldn't get anyway because there was no wi-fi in the underground you know what I mean it's like in situations where they make sense because you need to either give your data very quickly and easily or you want to get something very quickly and easily off off them that transaction is very logical and that's where they work during the pandemic because you needed to be able to say, here, here, here's me and here's where I am to the track and trace system. Um, there are other examples where um, using QR codes would work or, or make sense to work, but they don't make sense if it's literally just, here's what my website is because we, we can just type that in.
0: <laughs> I, I always, uh, my, my favorite use of a QR code is when it's kind of used on a website when it links to the website that you're currently looking at, the code on that's like it's this circular kind of you know this the circle is, of uselessness. It's quite I, it's quite. I, cool. I
1: always like to see them on on vans as well. Yeah, <laughs>
0: um,
1: when you're driving down the M6, and it's like, that's that's handy. Yeah.
0: So let's, let's, so, you know, hopefully we'll do another one of these before the next six months. But if we are only doing one in another six months, let's see how many QR codes we're seeing now and then. And that, that'll be a marker as to how, how things, how things have moved on. So finally then, um, let's think about what the next six months we think that kind of looks like. And what does it look like for you? Cause you mentioned right at the top of this that people are already booking holidays. Are your clients kind of reacting to? Getting a load of bookings, or are they proactively kind of starting to think about, you know, what there's a need for holidays, let's get in there? Kind of right. Um,
1: now. I mean, it's, it, as ever, it's some and some. Um, it's really difficult because some, you know, it's obviously commercially been very, very difficult times, particularly in the hospitality industry. Um, you know, they're going to be the last to be unlocked in them, you know, and, and, and put back into the sort of the normal, normal world. Um, so. There's a desperation for that to happen, and they definitely are responding to, to bookings, but also it's hard for them to fund the, the the marketing that they need to get to compete if that makes sense. So I've got some people who uh, you know, long story short, can't get onto the normal booking.com platform, for example, because of the debt that they've amounted over the last twelve months. And you, you know that's the only game in town in terms of hospitality. You've got to be on Booking. dot com. It's like not being on Amazon. You know, there, it's such a huge search engine that if you're not there, then you you know you're not getting in bookings. So it, it, it's very difficult. Um, people, there's a lot of kind of goodwill that's supporting everybody, and um, there's a lot of desire to to um, to sort of get back in the game as quickly as possible, whilst, you know, not having really any any money. You know, pubs are in a very difficult position, uh, restaurants are in a very difficult position because they've just not had any income in order to fund the the next sort of um, um, uh, uh, stage of stuff. Um, Other businesses, they've just been able to keep the trains on time um, and, you know, um, they can now start sort of um, uplifting the sort of communications that they're doing. so yeah, six the next six months is going to be a really interesting time for folk because it's going to be it's going to be very choppy waters. Um, there's going to be a lot of consumer interest in everything, especially experiences, because no one's had any <laughs> apart from being on bloody Zoom, you know, and you know drinking wine at home. So there's going to be lots of kind of desire to to do stuff. Um, there's going to be a lot of competition for all of that, and. Um, I think that's going to have a big knock-on effect in public services as well. You know, local authorities in the NHS are going to see a huge amount of issues suddenly having to deal with, you know. Um, I, th- I think March, April, May are going to be, I don't want to say carnage, but there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Already there are memes circulating on on, on social media about June the 21st being an absolute carnage day because it's the it's the big day where everyone can, you know. so you know, that's already basically going to be a major incident. So <laughs> I'm declaring it here, you know, and, you know, we are gold command, <laughs> but, you know, we need to start sort of preparing for this sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, no, really interesting. And um yeah, who knows how that's going to, how that's going to work. Um, June 21st could be a really interesting one. And I think, you know, it's just a probably i don't know a plea to the world really to think about your n h s colleagues and think about people who have spent the past year um suffering unbelievably difficult working working conditions, just maybe give them a second thought as your going out on the June the 21st if you indeed you are allowed to go out on June 21st because, you know, yeah, they've had it pretty tough. They could probably do without the ultimate Mad Friday <laughs> being thrown into the mix as well.
1: <laughs> Genuinely, the reality is going to be that's going to be the ultimate Mad Friday. Yeah. So I would caution our NHS colleagues, Let's now to start advising their colleagues and staff that that's going to be a biggie and they need to stop preparing for it, you know, but because it's just going to, you know, if we're seeing it now, they literally announced it the other day, um, That June 25th, you know, already people are like, well, hey, that's the day we're going to have a massive bender. So, you know, it's going to be sunny. It's going to be absolute mayhem. So I, I would already start, um, if I was a head of comms in an NHS Trust at the moment, I'd be talking to my colleagues going, shall we start organising or planning around that? Because we've got to make sure the staffing's there. We've got to make sure the." Um, the messages are out there. We've got to make sure that, you know, the infrastructure is you know, appropriate. You know, if you're a seaside town on June the 21st, Bournemouth's going to be mad, you know, Torquay going to be mad. It's, uh, everywhere going to, you know, they need to stop sort of preparing and planning for that.
0: Yeah, maybe they'll be listening. Mm, but yeah, I, I I have a feeling we might be coming back to this one at some point in the future. <laughs> All right. Rich, let's leave it there, but that's been really interesting as ever. And, um, yeah, good luck to all of your lovely clients in the hospitality industry in, uh, and uh, in, in the south, in the southwest of the country and everywhere. If you are working in, um, that, line of work and you need a bit of advice i'm sure rich would be absolutely delighted to help you out with that similarly um if you are one of those (laughs) heads of trust in the nhs and you're thinking about how you might prepare your local population for everything opening up and ultimate mad friday as i think we've just christened it please do get in touch and we'll see how we can help you with that Um, but rich thanks a million as as ever thank you so much ben it's been a pleasure it has it has and um, so yeah that's Marketing Matters episode 7 and um, we'll be back again at some point Um, at some point let's just go with at some point and uh, there'll be more to talk about next time but in the meantime if you're one of the people the surprisingly large amount of people who (coughs) like and listen to this podcast do share it with others do like it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you next time bye bye